With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome everyone to Rock M Radio. Uh, this is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We're here, uh, season six, uh, episode thirty-two. Um, of course, we're here to talk about your Missouri Tigers. I am your host, Sam Snelling. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm the guy on the left. Please take a moment to hit the like button, and if you haven't already, uh, subscribe because uh, that helps us out. Um, the guy on the other side, uh, my compatriot, uh, he's here every other week these days, Matthew J. Harris, uh, from his basement in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, uh, yeah, Matt, it, how are you? I'm still failing all the Room Raider uh, pair, <laughs> all the Room Raider uh, reviewers at this point, probably, but I'm doing well. Uh, trying to, you know, I think rest a little bit and make sense of what this roster <laughs> looks like, but. You know, otherwise, uh, just dandy. Uh, can't really complain. So we are recording this. It is uh, Monday evening, May 1st. It is going to be May. Uh, at, you can see the clock uh, behind Matt, what time it is. <laughs> it's about 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and last night, um, surprise, surprise, uh, Dennis Gates sends out the bat signal. Um Everybody got really excited because there was a chance it could be somebody that everybody was really excited about. Uh, turns out, and not that you shouldn't be excited about uh, what what happened, I guess. He but, is uh, he is <laughs> but Campbell transfer uh, forward uh, post player Jesus Carolero. Uh, excuse me, we've been we've been working on his name, trying to get his name right, Carolero. Uh, from Malaga, Spain, uh, spent a year at uh, at Link Academy in Branson, Missouri. So he's familiar with Missouri. Jeez. And uh, he spent four years at Campbell uh, and a wrist injury this past season, and and only played the first five games. And then, uh, but he he looked pretty good in those five games. Uh, made five out of ten three pointers. 
uh, true shooting percentage was was rock solid. Um, and then he showed down with a reverse injury. So um, this is a an interesting addition. Um, definitely, I, I think everybody knows that Dennis Gates has been looking for uh, interior players. And he is an interior player. But uh, he brings a lot of that sort of like Euro big style. He's a good passer, good, you know, sort of playmaker, facilitator, uh, you know, from that sort of interior position. So he's he's got some intrigue to him. He does. I'm, I'm convinced that the staff, after, you know, seeing uh, Mr. Shedrick go off the board, has decided that they're just going to try and spackle together the first player <laughs> they want from different pieces. And... That lead, we know, we'll get to how that informs roster construction, deconstruction, lack thereof later on. But you know, I think if you're making the money ball joke, uh, uh, if if you don't follow Matt on Twitter, his Twitter handle is right there beneath his name. Go follow him on Twitter, you can see his his link to the money ball uh, discussion. But yeah, this is the money ball joke. Keep they're spackling together. <laughs> They're, they're putting it together. Um, but on his own, I, I think, you know, Carolero is a guy who I think, you know, is probably the guy who's a, he's the offensive big. He's the guy who, you know, if you were to look at his tape, look at his numbers and his profile, he's the guy that, you know, Missouri will put in, you know, if it needs kind of that connective piece that it uses at the, at the elbow and at the top of the key. He's a guy who can make those passing reads. Um, I haven't gotten to full games. I've managed to be a sicko and somehow track down five full games of them. I'll watch those later. But in cutups, you can where'd see you, that you where'd can, you find those? YouTube, baby. YouTube, yeah. <laughs> a deep well, deep, deep well. Some people stu- stumble into misinformation. I stumble into Big South basketball from November 2022. Nice. But there are five full games out there. I'll watch those and get a better sense for how he plays. But in short, little bursts, you can see that he can make good passing reads, makes good passing reads on the backside of help defenders particularly low help defenders. He's really good sort of reading, you know, 45 angle cuts and when to hit guys there. Um, will play in pick and pops. You know, I would say he's more of a finesse big, even when he posts up, you know, footwork, counters, wants a lot of drop steps, wants to use kind of a rhythm dribble. But he's, you know, a big that I could see Dennis picking after Dennis has watched a lot of Euro League. You know, he fits that sort of mode. Athletically, you know, again, he's more athletic than I am. It's all relative, but compared to what he's going to see in the SEC, there may be a little bit left to be desired there. Um, even on defense, he's more of a positional big playing with verticality. He's not going to destroy you with a first or second jump, but he's good at understanding, I think, at least in the clips I was able to see, of positional rebounding. His rebound rates are solid regardless of, you know, what level you play at. They're about 17 to 20%. So he can be a connective piece. He can do some things offensively. And I think, back to my main point, you put him with other pieces on this roster, he can help solve your rebounding problem. He's not going to fix all of it, but he can help solve a portion of it. So if you're looking for a guy, you know, who I think, you know, sitting here in May and we haven't seen this team play, he strikes me as a rotational pickup, but I think you have to understand what that role potentially could be. We'll have to see it on the floor. He hasn't played in a year, but after 
36 hours of looking at it and looking at the numbers and whatever tape exists. That's sort of the best assessment I have out of the shoot as to what he offers this team. Yeah, I don't uh, necessarily get the impression that this is a guy that they're going to count on, you know, 30 minutes of, of action that night. Um, you know, like, uh, they are still recruiting um, other bigs. Uh, you know, it was reported uh, by Jonathan Rothstein that uh, Jimmy Bell is going to make it to campus at some point. Uh, you know, he is another big. So uh, kind of completing the second half of your Moneyball joke. Um, but, uh, you know, but it, it does look like, and it has looked for much of the spring that, you know, even with the pursuit of Caden Shedrick, like Dennis Gates decided that what they did last season and the way that they were able to play, uh, and make teams sort of conform to them is how he wanted to kind of continue to play. And you could see that through the pursuit of a lot of guards. Um, and the type of bigs that he was pursuing, uh, you know, were guys that were heavily skilled, um, which is why we didn't really see them go after somebody like Jamarian Sharp. Um, you know, uh, and then once they missed on Shedrick, it's like, okay, now you get, we're getting one heavily skilled, uh, you know, a guy from Campbell. And then the other guy is is sort of like the mauler, you know, the mauler, and and so he is he is essentially which you know and I, I don't really want to get too into like the twenty four recruits with, uh, but it is one of those things that like I was surprised at how much they seem to be pursuing you know Peyton Marshall, um, which and, I, I watched him a little bit this weekend. Set aside his frame, and there's some power, but he has some good footwork. He has good hands, and when I've seen him move, he's got pretty good feet. So I think you've got to outside the girth there, and you watch him play. There's some things that I think he can do pretty well and fit that that sort of mode from a skill perspective. He's not completely, you know, about dis, you know dislodging guys by just putting a shoulder. Right. Uh, and, and I think, you know, my point was, like, getting guys who are maybe more adept, like a Jordan Butler, who is better playing away from the rim mm. uh, a guy is is comfortable you know shooting from distance um, and I think like you get you're getting some of that with uh, you know Carlero who didn't really shoot well uh, his first three seasons um, you know but you expect a level of skill from some of those bigs uh, he, he didn't attempt a whole lot uh and like the question yeah, is that he even going to be asked to do that? Is he even going to be you know, it, within this role and within this offense? Right. I think it's going to be like similar to like a a Diara, you know, where, you know, where Muhammad was a guy who you're not looking for him to take threes, but you want him to be able to knock one down if the opportunity presents itself. So it's like if and that's where the offense. You know, the shot that gets generated from the offense, then you want somebody in that position who can who can take and make that shot. Yeah. And I think Carolero is is a guy who will be able to fill that role. But I don't I, again, I, I don't think either of us think this is a guy who's gonna come yeah. in and, and play a ton of minutes. He's he's gonna be uh play I would say like you're you're already looking at, you know, and this is some of this is all dependent on whether or not Kobe Brown comes back, but you do you have you have Noah Carter. 
uh, you know, who has already proven to be a valuable interior player. We can go uh, eighteen you know, to twenty-eight in that range. What's that? Eighteen to twenty-eight minutes a range. Yeah, just like, you know, and I so I think if if you're getting you know twelve to fifteen minutes from this guy, like that's probably topping out. Like I think. I just think like the way that Mizzou has has been able to play last year, the way that they've built the current roster right now, it looks like they want to play at a faster pace. They want to play with more guards, uh, and I think that they're willing to um, to sacrifice some interior size in order to to make teams sort of face them on on their turf. Yeah, it. I think it's also sort of a function of where the market is right now. Um, for talent, pretty much the top 30 bigs in the portal. Depending on wherever you go, if you try and account for differences in composite ratings and if you even want to try and toss, like, Torvik's measure of how guys played last season in with Maya's 2024 forecast, there's about 30 names that all sort of sit in the same pool. I don't rank them. I kind of put them in loose tiers because... You know, there's no good way to sort of, you know, work between those systems. But about 20 of those, 20 to 25 of those guys are gone. And those that are left are probably 30 to 40 days into their recruitment. You know, I, I think fans at times think, we missed on this guy. There's 1,600 other names in the portal. Mizzou and other high majors are looking at really about 150 to 200 names, maybe the top, top end of that group. And if you then break that down by position, there's about 40 guys per position. If you're starting to get to the point where 30 of those are off the board, you know, Missouri, you know, could go out and try and get one starter. But, you know, the guys that are left that, uh, that you would project as a starter, some of them are really young guys. Like Zach Clements didn't play at all at Kansas. He was on an official visit to Providence this weekend. I love Zach Clements. He's a really hyper-skilled dude, but he's 6'9", 210, and not, a true five. No, right. I love Keba Jai, who is at Penn State. I love that dude's tape. Love his ceiling, but you know, he may be following Mike Shrewsbury to Notre Dame. He's also taking some other visits. Do you want to try and get into that race, you know, late? You know, two guys I had in a piece this weekend, you know, Russell Chewa, a guy who is a little like Jimmy Bell, more of a starter level guy, committed to Georgia today. Bryant Sillabang, who is, you know, a brawnier version, a scaled-down version of, you know, what Chewa might be or what Jimmy Bell might be, he's supposedly committing tonight. So you start to really get into that level where that one guy who can eat your 28 minutes just isn't there, just isn't available to you. And so do you try and come in late on guys and say, I know we you watched us spend a month recruiting two or three other dudes, but you're the one, or right. go and try and make that composite? Do you try and say to Jimmy, you know, Bell, like, I know that you were recruited over by West Virginia. I know they went and got Jesse Edwards, and your minutes are gone, but we'd love for you to come and do what you do here for us. If you're, you know, Carolero, and you're coming off a year where you were injured, and some coach is going to say, look, we're going to feed you 12 to 15 minutes a night at the high major level, come play for us in the SEC. You look at the comparative offers, if it's like a, you know, an A-10 program or a CAA program, you know, is it intriguing to come to Missouri? So I think what they've done is they've realized the point to go all in on a starter-level big past two weeks ago. It's now about can you find 
the things that you want for your system and can you use the you know roster flexibility you have to get those those come those skills in I, right. so people have talked about what are they going to do when they're pivoting this is what that pivot looks like is trying to get disparate pieces to have a better hole so it, we'll see if it works but i think that's sort of the approach that they've, they've employed now as, as we enter the home stretch of the portal season and there is uh you know there's always rumors of like you know guys that are potentially going into the portal there's uh every school has right yeah there's also like if you're you know waiting around possibly for guys that you know uh are in the nba draft or getting you know opinions on the nba and then okay. decide to exit um which you know is to some degree is kind of what happened with you know isaiah mosley last year and um you know he opted not to stay in the draft and there weren't many options left but missouri was around and had room and allowed him to kind of come back home uh so there's i mean there's definitely like things that they could do to if they really wanted to wait or you take what's available and make that work and i think overall when you look at what they've done this spring you have to really like the transfer class overall like you you have to really like the fact you're adding tamar bates and you're adding you know, Caleb Grill and, and, you know, uh, John, you know, Tanji, who is at this point, like a forgotten guy and a guy That's that a like, pixie guy in the transfer portal. Like we were thrilled when he committed. It was like, I, I couldn't believe like right when he went into the portal, I was like, oh man, like that'd be a good player to get. I really liked the way he plays. And, and sure enough. So it's like, like Missouri's had a really productive spring. They've just sort of had these like notable late misses, um, you know, Shedrick obviously being, you know, the, the, the biggest clear mess. But I think if you finish off and you're like, you know, you're adding, you know, Carlero as like a, a bit player and, and uh, you know, Jimmy Bell, who is a rugged defender. He's a rebounder. Uh, he's not, the you know, the greatest finisher at the rim. But like Dennis Gates and CY have both been really good at getting guys to be better at that. Um, you know, maybe you have you know, like that money ball combination, uh, you know, duo who can really sort of, you know, push you over the hump a little bit with, with, you know, a, really what amounts to a really nice, uh, deep collection of guards. Yeah. I, I think that's been the hardest thing to say here is Missouri, Missouri's job this spring, I think was distinctly different. You know, I think everyone kind of looks at what must does and just a complete roster flip. And I don't think that's what Missouri needed to engage in. You know, they they had ball handling settled, you know, with two returners and a freshman. They had, you know, by all accounts, Isaiah Mosley is, you know, looking like he's going to be back. See, so you had, if he's fully available, you've got one of the best mid-major creators slash scorers there. You just need to get him to play more. So now you're not having to go into the portal to pursue a high volume score. You just need your high volume score to play more. You've got, you know, a really, really good connective big in Noah Carter. You know, you have a foundation of five or six guys that really could fill in a rotation. So now it's, what are the two things we're missing? We're missing, you know, maybe another alpha score. They're pursuing that, you know, line right now with Matt Cleveland, but if they don't get it, you've still got Mosley there. And, they also wanted, I think, some more depth, you know, to, you know, 
play the pressing style they want to play, but also just have some optionality, and they needed to replace shooting. They got all that with the guards that they brought in. And I do get, you know, the frustration and the angst and the anxiety about the bigs. Because it's been two years where, you know, they put a lot of time and a lot of investment, you know, in guys who haven't come here. I think it's doubly frustrating because you look at Dennis's track record along with CY recruiting bigs to Florida State and you go, what's going on? That's totally reasonable to feel that way. But I think what they're doing now, at least in a theoretical way, might mitigate that. But I don't think they faced a wholesale gut job of this roster. They had some things they had to go find. I think they've done that. If they get Matt Cleveland, I I, I don't know if many if any backcourts in the SEC that are going to have as much depth and flexibility as this one. And it's already pretty good. You know, Matt Matt Cleveland is a guy who I think is sort of like that crowning achievement for this backcourt. And you know, you're not going to need Carolaro and you know build a score. You're going to have guards that can go do that. You're, you're gonna, that's going to be taken care of. Well, and that's that's another sort of you know point that I think uh, you know we've talked about you know the best offseason additions uh, for Missouri are very likely guys that were on the roster last year, and that's if you get Kobe Brown to return yeah. and you get Isaiah Mosley to return. Um, I don't think you could uh, send those guys better and right. Like I mean, the number of options that you have in the in the portal, like. Kobe Brown is better than Matt Matt Cleveland is. Yeah, you know, like Kobe Brown is better than Caden Shedrick is. Kobe Brown is a difference making level player. And if you now if you add Kobe Brown and what he's able to do, uh, and you bring back Isaiah Mosley, uh, a guy who can score from the outside, and now you're adding all these other pieces. And and one of the things I was thinking about the other day, the number of guys that they have that have uh started on top 25 level teams it's bonkers like you're you're talking about nick honor who did that last year <laughs> granted it was last year uh isaiah mosley started last year um you know uh uh tamar bates started last year caleb grill started last year on top 25 level teams um you know obviously kobe brown uh noah carter um and now you're talking about potentially adding like a, a former, you know, five-star kid with a huge ceiling. And he's one of the only guys that'll be, that would be in the playing rotation. Should he, you know, commit to Missouri? Um, you know, that really hasn't been like a, a starter level player on a, uh, on a top 25 level team, but he has been on a, <laughs> on like a, a power conference team. So like there's, I I think like there's a lot going on with this roster. There's a lot to be excited about. And like, I just think about like how deep and and uh, how deep the backcourt is, but also like how different all of those players are. Yeah. Um, and I think like that's one of the things that's probably the most exciting about what they've done. What if, uh, if you look just at the backcourt, those three guys, Tanji, Grill and Bates, have started a hundred, have played in 191 games against Kim Pop, Kim Pom top 100 teams. Just last year, they played in 65. Like that's, I remember a couple of years ago when you know Conzo brought in his transfers from mid majors. 
those guys over their entire careers were at 62. Just the level of experience those guys have, the caliber that they've seen every night, you can't undersell that. You absolutely can undersell. And, you know, Caleb Grill was playing 30 minutes a night last year. John Tanji, you know, moved into a starting role in probably the sixth or seventh best league in the country, you know, and did a really, really nice job for them at Colorado State. But Tamar Bates has to put it together. I, I don't think anyone can, you know, say that, you know, that's plug and play, but he's, you know, played, you know, 17 to 22 minutes a night in the Big Ten for two years. Yeah. And he's he's been inconsistent, but he's also, you know, flashed really well against yeah. high-level competition. So, you know, like, you want the consistency. Uh, you know, but a lot of that is is, is sort of true of, of Cleveland. I think Cleveland's maybe a little bit more yeah. consistent, but he was on a far worse team. Uh, you know, and, and and I think, like, all of these things, when you're sort of putting them together, they're making what amounts to, like, a really potentially exciting team. Um, you know, but what you've essentially done is you stacked all this talent at the, at the guard level, really like, kind of like one through four, and then you're just sort of filling in guys who can sort of help facilitate, uh, you know, some of that stuff uh, at the five spot. Yeah, it really is. Can you mix and match? And I think jumping ahead, once they finish the roster, I could see them doing what they did in non-con this year, which is we need seven or eight games just to really tinker with things, really sort through some roster combos. It will make people upset because you want me to have a boring home slate for early non-con, but if you're sorting through that, there's but maybe if you like you're dropping Houston Christian and you're you know taking on like you know say like a, a Mac school versus yeah uh, yeah you know, I I think there's ways and I, like this is one thing that I think uh, like Eric Musselman's always done really well is find that more than play yeah like a, a easy non-conference schedule but they're they're good mid-majors instead of like like Missouri had some awful awful opponents last year um and I think that you can you can level that up <laughs> he finds top uh, four teams in mid-major leagues yeah Missouri was finding bottom four teams last year that was that was the difference but to your point there's I think when people sit down and they look at this roster you know up and down you know I looked at it the other day the average you know, 247 composite rating for this roster may wind up around 0.91. A couple of years ago, you know, when Zoe finished up, it was at 0.872. Like, it's, you've gone from guys in the top, average guy around 220 in the composite to now around 120, 110 to 120. Like, I think to it took churning 17 guys to the roster in two years, but... You've gone from you've gotten to that level that we've always talked about, which is maybe Missouri's never going to you know live in that range where it's getting you know five top thirty guys, but it's going to have depth from like seventy five to one twenty in the composite. That's where the composite ratings are now. If you account for transfer re ratings of guys, but the talent levels being upgraded, there's some depth in the backcourt. Realistically, can they land Jimmy Bell? to come in and be a guy that's going to do what we talked about, which is lean on other fives, rebound, try and get some putbacks, and do they close the deal with Matt Cleveland? 
if you get those two in, there's enough ingredients, you know, in the pantry to make a really, really good team out of this. It's, but they've got to do some work. They, they still have to close. So we'll see what they do. Yeah. So, uh, so Bell, um, basically told John Rothstein that he's looking at visiting Missouri and Mississippi state. Um, he, he does seem very much like a Mississippi State big to me. Like yes, Mississippi does. State. <laughs> Let's evolve. <laughs> like for whatever reason, that school always has like big lumbering uh, centers. Um, you know, I totally was probably more of the exception, but still like a traditional like you know back to your bath back to the basket. Uh, you know, big man who wants to you know sort of you know back you in and, and shoot a little uh, jump hook over the right shoulder. Yeah. Um, but uh, so if right now the way things look, there is some sort of familiarity for Bell with Missouri. He he started his career at SLU, um, and after SLU, he went to Moberly. Um, the Greyhounds. Hey, yeah, the Greyhounds. Um, I'm a, I'm a Matt Cardinals, so uh, so I we, we would we would whip them them Greyhounds, at least back when I was there. Um, Moberly's had some really fantastic years. Yeah. And um, isn't that where, like, Mitch Richmond went and all that kind of stuff? Like, yeah. they had some, like, they've had pros. Yeah. Um, I know, like, Three Rivers is Latrell Sprewell. You, you know you know all the, all the uh, work kids, all the, all the haunts from all the old guys. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you, you, so I, yeah. Anybody who doesn't know, like I, I played at Mineral Area College, and like you go to all these places, you see the the banners, and you know Coach Best down in in Poplar Bluff at Three Rivers. Um, my brother actually played uh, at Mineral Area as well, and he played against Latrell's pretty well. So there's some uh, some f- facts for you. Um, I was going to actually look up where is Jimmy Bell from? Isn't he from the East Coast? He's from Saginaw, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, he's a. He's saying so. Uh, you you want to? Uh, I mean, uh, we've sort of already discussed what what type of player he is. He did he did start some games for for West Virginia. West Virginia did. Uh, they were sort of living on the bubble out of the year. Uh, metrics really loved them. I think a lot of that was because you play close Playing to the Big Twelve. The Big 12. Um, you don't necessarily have to win a lot of games. Um, but he's not a guy who's going to really blow you away with his stats, but there are th- some things that he does well, and I, you can sort of see what Missouri wants. Uh, what he does well, uh, I'm looking at it right now, is uh, it's put back. That's his, uh, out of all the touches he gets, his most consistent last year was a put back. Um, he, if he plays on the post, he's going to want to play over his left shoulder. Um, you know, Hook shots is preferred one, but he'll drop, step away, and counter, and try and kind of bolt through guys a little bit. And then you sort of like get into like picking up loose balls, you know, 50 50 balls and putting them back. You know, he can play for dump offs in the corner on drives. You know, he's not going to be a guy that you give the ball to, you know, every trip down and say, you know, let's play through you. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, indication that he's a guy that you, you know, passes out of the post and hits cutters or spot up guys. Um, he does not play in, you know, at least everything I saw, you know, on some longer cut-ups. Not a guy that you're really going to have facilitate, but he can rebound. 
He can he is good defending posts up post ups against legitimate bigs. And he's a guy who's gonna, you know, capitalize on the opportunities that come his way. You know, if you can, you know, every so often hit him on a punch play, that's very kind of you and you should do it. But he's he's not gonna be a guy that you need to put into a focal point to run action for. Um and there's something to be said for that. Something to be said for those guys, they have immense value if if, you know, they're they're deployed the right way and in the right lineups. Um, my sense is that, you know, Virginia, West Virginia, you know, Bob Huggins is not messing around. You know, he's got, um, you know, Trey Mitchell's still there. They went out and they got Jesse Edwards. Um, you know, minutes were hard to come by. So if you can offer him a role and offer him, you know, maybe some spot starts on nights, you know, if you need to see Oscar Sheboy, you need to see a big, that's, you know, a little bit more traditional in sort of the way they operate. You've got that flexibility in Jimmy Bell. So. You know, he is what he is. Um, he knows who he is, and I think there's you know, sort of immense value in that if you can get those types of guys in and they buy into what you want to use them for. Uh, I think if, if he gave Missouri what he gave West Virginia, which is 46.1% of the minutes, uh, 105 offensive rating, um, 60.5% of possessions, which is great because uh, that's not very many. Um, offensive rebound rate, he was uh 11th at 15.8 percent, defensive rebound rate 18.9. Uh, decent block rate. So, one thing that did sort of stand out to me, uh, with both him and and uh Carlero was they both turned the ball over a lot. Um, that, that's the linchpin for both these guys. Now, Carlero, I could see because he's a facilitating big, so in the reads and the passes he's trying to throw. Like they're going to be dead ball turnovers sometimes because they're being thrown to a cutter, and it will go out of bounds. It's not you know a live ball turnover where he's trying to dribble and it's picked off of him. It's a bullet pass that goes out of bounds. Uh, Jimmy, uh, it's a little bit different. You know you can if you dig and you have smaller guards to get up under him, you can force turnovers there. But again, if you're not having him, you know, be a guy that you're driving things through on post ups, and he's just having to. Know, make catches and go up, maybe you mitigate some of that. I, I worry more about turnovers with Carl Aro just because if you're going to ask him to facilitate and put the ball down, run handoffs, make reads, there's just more that's going to happen creatively and you're going to maybe flow actions through him a little bit. Maybe I worry yeah. more about turnovers there than I do with Jimmy Bell. If, if that's wonky, but that's where my brain sort of goes right there. Is uh, we've uh, we've got a pen in Bell as a guy who uh, I think could end up on the roster. Um, you know, so I would pay attention to when he he hits campus. Uh, hopefully, we find out when roughly when that happens. Um, but it is going to be interesting. So uh, by the end of the week, it is May first, and uh, you know Matthew Cleveland had sort of stated that he was hoping to have his sort of decision wrapped up by the fifth. Um, at this point, uh, we, I kind of talked about it today. If you haven't checked out like our, uh, scholarship math posts, um, both maths helped me put that together. Uh, it's a daunting task. There's a lot of information. Um, but the latest Intel on, on Cleveland basically is it, it looks like this is maybe kind of a two-team race. Uh, we feel like Missouri is maybe a little ahead, um, but I'm always a little worried 
mad about that Miami NIL money um, very famously offered Nigel Pack $400,000. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know exactly. Nobody really knows like what sort of Missouri situation is. I would be surprised if they were, you know, willing to, to go that high on a guy like, like Cleveland. If, uh, if Miami goes there, it might be tough to, to get him to Columbia, but, uh, the relationship that he has with, with CY and, uh, and, you know, now, uh, coach Gates seems to be strong enough that Missouri might be able to pull this off. Yeah, they. Uh, I think the big deal is he got out of um, the planes last week without committing. Unlike Tyron Lawrence, who seems like he's gonna uh, try and take one of the spots, and I think that's been sort of the linchpin with Auburn is is it one guard or two guards? And if it's two guards, and if it is one guard, who pledges first? Um, it sounds like Vanderbilt wing Tyron Lawrence, who averaged about thirteen points per game, solid player. Um, for Stack last year might be the guy that you know grabs that slot. Now, if Auburn's looking for two, then I think it gets interesting because they're you know I think there's obviously room for uh, Matt Cleveland there. The timeline that he gave, you know, that I saw reported by Travis Brand a couple weeks ago was like somewhere after May five, because Florida, like a lot of school, Florida State, like a lot of universities, is near the end of its semester. It's going to wrap down. Um, so it was somewhere after the May, after May five, um, he told reporters last week from Auburn sites that, um, he's still looking at two to three weeks. Everything's fluid in the portal. Maybe that changes, but this is still a situation where, you know, we'll see how it transpires. But, uh, I think Missouri is in as good a position as it can be right now. You know, Miami, like you said, has NIL money. They need a guy to replace Jordan Miller down there. They have a spot for him. Um, Auburn, and, they, uh, the, and Wong is uh, is staying, or reportedly staying in the draft, in which draft. indicate that uh, they've got some production to replace as well. Yeah, the, there's there's some production down there that I think is a little more open, and there's, you know, the proven, at least publicly, they've got, you know, NIL money to splash around down there. So I, I would think, you know, if you're looking for the marriage of, Minutes and finances, Miami would be attractive. Missouri um, has that relationship in place, you know, that's been there for a long, long time. The question to me is, you know, what does Matt Cleveland, you know, conceive of himself, you know, doing in a rotation? Um, I think if he comes to Missouri, there's not his sort of, he will no longer, I think, be the prime mover in an offense. Florida State really asked him to do a lot. He got a lot of touches. Wasn't a ball hog. Wasn't, you know, stifling the offense. But they put a lot of touches in his hands. And, you know, it's different, I think, coming into a rotation like this one where if Kobe Brown is back, if Isaiah Mosley is back, you know, those are two dudes that are going to, you know, could legitimately on any roster – you know, be the alpha. Now you've got three of them. So how do you do you feel comfortable about sort of that arrangement? I don't know how Matt Cleveland feels about it, but I think that's a distinct contrast to what's at Miami where it's come here and be a focal point. Yeah. Missouri, it's come here and, you know, try and fit into this sort of conglomeration of pieces that we have. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see what he values, where relationships fit. Um 
you know, he has a relationship too with Auburn. You know, they recruited him out of high school. They were finalists for him there. So it'll just be interesting. Is And this is the one thing I think sometimes people get reductive where it's either all about money and it doesn't matter. I think it does matter for Matt Cleveland because Matt Cleveland was a guy who was forecasted as a potential one and done guy. Didn't shoot well his freshman year at all. Last year, you know, he and Florida State were pegged for a bounce back year. To a certain degree, he shot the ball better, but it was on really low volume and Florida State was awful. So now you're a junior and, you know, it's go time now right? for you. If you, and it's sort of the same situation we saw with Caleb Love where do you go try and find a place that's going to let you do the same thing? But maybe the supporting cast is a little better so you can showcase the NBA. Maybe not better, but more conducive to working better with your own skill set. Yeah. And that may be that matter. <laughs> yeah, that may be what Miami can offer him. Is yeah. there's still some talent down there, but it's not going to require him to for you know forfeit some touches. And you know Jim Larinaga is a very good basketball coach and an adaptable coach. I think that's the one thing that you know Larinaga has played fast. He's played slow. He's played NBA style. He's played five out. Jim can flex a little bit. So does that appeal to you to go down there and do that, or do you trust? you know, that relationship with CY and Dennis, if they're going to put you in position to maximize this year. Again, I don't know, you know, what's going on in Matt's mind about that, but I do think that's something to keep in consideration here. And as I think you wrote with Caleb, guys will say they want a certain set of things in a program or a situation. They'll commit somewhere and it doesn't, you know, join with that, you know, Right. I think people, you know, thought the same thing with, you know, Caden Shedrick. You know, why is he going to Texas? And then you gotta really look and you could see how it works. Guys are gonna commit to where ultimately they wanna go and where their gut feels like they're gonna go. But if we're being well, they, got, sure. they got the right vibes, man. It's all about vibes. Vibes. Vibe <laughs> kings, baby. But that's I so it'll be fascinating what Cleveland does and what it sort of reveals about what he's valuing as he tries to reboot. But I think Missouri's, you know, deep in the mix here. We'll see if they can close it. We'll absolutely see if they can close it. Are you going to make a prediction on that? No. I stay out of no. the prediction right. game. I stay out of the prediction game. Um, But, saying they got to have places for all these guys to go. Where are they going to stash all these dudes? Where are they going to put them all? Well, so th- that's, uh, that's why we published uh, the scholarship math uh, post today. Uh, if you are watching or listening to this and have not read that, I recommend uh, going read it. It is a, a far more de- detailed breakdown than you're going to get here. Um, but we were able to figure to out. It. Nah, it's it, it, it requires a lot of like basically laying things out and, and where we are because there, there are a lot of guys who are basically saying they're going to be at Missouri next year, and then a couple guys who could be at Missouri next year. So um, we, we we are still waiting on this, uh, decisions or official word from Isaiah Mosley, Kobe Brown, um, uh, Sean East, uh, Mabor Majak, uh, Jackson Francois has not said anything. Um you know, like Francois, other preferred walk-ons. Uh, I mean, you're, I don't really think we're all that concerned 
uh, about what what their decision is going to be. Uh, but it does come down to we know Noah Carter, Nick Honor, Aiden Shaw are for sure back. Uh, we're pretty sure Sean East is coming back. Uh, he just there's been no information one way or the other, uh, or no public announcement. We'll say. Um, whereas everybody else has kind of said publicly that they're they're going back. Uh, and then coming in, you've got the three freshmen. Uh, you've got uh, Kurt Lewis. You've got Tamar Bass, Caleb Grill, John Tachi, uh, and now uh, Jesus Carlero. Um, Eight guys. If if you if you add up all of these guys together, including the walk-ons, that we're at like eighteen dudes. That's a lot because you can only play. You can only have fifteen. Available oh, play in, in a game, uh, and and really like there's only 200 minutes to play for five positions, so it's like uh, like where are all those minutes going to come down to? And then you're also talking about adding, uh, you know, Jimmy Bell and Matthew Cleveland. Um, it's just a, it's a lot. It's a lot of players. Yeah, they will. The math will add up. Here, because it has to, and it always does, and the numbers will get to where they need to get to. It's just the permutations. Like, I, sometimes people have asked me, you know, what about this? What about this? And my response is just going to start being, it's whatever your heart really kind of desires. It, it, you know, I think they there's a lot of different ways it could go to get to what I'm going to say are 15. Because you're going to have your 13 scholarship guys and two that you'll probably carry on NIL. Who's going to be your 15? And, you know, right now, if you were to look at the returners that we know about of East, Honor, Shaw, and Carter, you know, I'm going to put East in that group. That's four. Plus the eight coming back, you're at 12. And now you've got, so that's three spots. you got 12 out of the 15. And now you have Mosley, Brown, Cleveland, and Bell. That's four for three, basically. Or if you want to say Mosley is looking like he's going to be back, it's three for two. How does it work? Somebody's not going to have a chair. All right. I think the easiest way, and this is purely speculative, the cleanest way this happens is Kobe gets good feedback from, you know, the NBA. He has great workouts. You know, a team tells him, you know, hey, you're really in that 30 to 45 range. Come on in. You're going to get a guaranteed deal or a two-way. Kobe stays in three for three. Like, that's the easiest, kind of cleanest way I think it happens, is Kobe stays in, three other guys filter in, and then you just have a bunch of walk-ons and some really good practice players. So I I do have, uh, I believe Kobe had a a sort of event uh, at some car dealership in Columbia. Uh, it was like signing autographs and stuff. Uh, and... and um, and Parmazoo.com's Gabe Yarman uh, went down there and talked to Kobe. Uh, and I did find it interesting, uh, you know, Gabe tweeted out some of these things. And I did find it interesting. Kobe's language has shifted uh, a bit on, on originally we were thinking like he was looking for a first round grade uh, or he was coming back. And now it looks like he's looking for something guaranteed. Which, if you're, like, I think there are a lot of 
NBA clubs that would give him a guaranteed deal. Uh, it's guaranteed deal. That is basically like the top 45 picks now or pretty much top 50 picks, like all, all guaranteed, guaranteed deals now. Yeah. Even though only the first round is technically guaranteed, uh, like all those guys, you know, when we're going to get guaranteed deals. And the thing that's going to happen to, I think, in the new CBA is there's going to be more G League spot rosters coming in now. I think over the next couple of years, like the two-way deals get a little bit more lucrative for you. The Exhibit 10 deals get a little bit more lucrative. Like an Exhibit 10 deal right now, which is basically you you play X amount of time in the W or in the G League, and then like you get set number of minutes that you play at the at your home club. It's not quite like a two way deal. It's a little bit, you know, different in terms of like the CBA structure, but those are worth about five hundred K now. So like if those are going to begin to increase and or if you're getting a guaranteed deal now, you know, for second round picks, which if you looked at last year's second round, a lot of guys who were projected lottery picks that fell were scooped up early in the second and given guaranteed deals that were a little less than like what you would get for rookies and like the middle of the lottery, but they still got good deals. So that's always been my thing is, was it a hard and fast thing if you wanted the first round you know, pick because it comes with, you know, extra sort of protections to it? Or would an agent sit down and really walk him through everything and say, here's the new CBA language that's coming in. Here's how front offices are really behaving. If you can get from you know, 55 to 40, you put yourself in a position to have, you know, a lucrative payday between 500 or, you know, a million annually. Mizzou, even if it ain't up for NIL, that's still pretty robust to bring a guy back at that level. So as we've said, you know, it's great if he wants to come back, you know, we'll support him if he wants to come back. But the math is, you know, pretty enticing you know if you can get to that middle of the first round and I wouldn't blame him I wouldn't you know I don't think anybody would and I don't think it would be moving the goalposts at all I think it would just be this is what the process is for you get to have these conversations and you get to have an agent you know do the inquiries for you so it makes sense if if the if the sands have shifted a little bit and there's also a lot of situations where guys will be um They'll go into the draft knowing that they have a team that they will not fall past. Yeah, like yeah, you know, there, there's uh, there's plenty of those conversations that happen in the, uh, in the background where you know teams are saying, "Look, like we really like you. You're not going to fall past this. We're, you know, we'll we'll make sure this happens." Um, and so I think he'll he'll probably have the next two to three weeks to really kind of figure all that out, and we'll have hopefully a, a decision, some some clarity. Yeah. The, um, the nice thing is you're going to be able to get, you know, combine G League elite camps. There's going to be opportunities for him uh, the, to get out and showcase what he does. Well, the, the thing that is always struck me about Kobe is, and I, th- you know, I tweeted it the day that he, you know, had to make his decision of the deadline, which is, you know, the two things that are going to face him going through this process is, is the shooting uptick real? You know, that's a big jump. Now, no ceilings, which I think does great work. You know, their their writer, you know, Maxwell Bombach went through and basically detailed saying it's a really mixed bag for guys with, you know, Kobe's sort of shooting trajectory and profile. But what really works in his favor is he's multidimensional. 
and he can do a lot of different things. But what he's going to have to do is get into the league and really flesh out what he does well and stick. Go, coming back to Columbia carries as much downside risk. Now, he'd be compensated in, in IL. That's compensating him for a year for that risk he's taking. But what if he comes back and the shooting numbers don't look as good? What if he comes back and through no fault of his own, you know, this new set of roster, new set of, you know, guys that have come in, we like the shooting numbers. They look good right now. What if those guys fall flat and the assist numbers look a little different? What if the passes out aren't as productive? Or if the rim finishing changes? So I think for Kobe, it's less, you know, risky to go and say, I'll take that second round deal because I'm being compensated for what I've already accomplished. I could, you know, boost my stock, but realistically, the history of those now is like one of the oldest guys in the draft. Right. And eventually you want to go start earning. There's a, that's the other thing here is if you're 23, 24, the guys who are going at the top of the lottery are 18 years, two months, 18 years, six months. They got five and a half years on you in that earning window. Time is as much the commodity as anything else. So uh, if he stays in, it's going to be totally, you know, reasonable for him to do it. And yeah. that would clear up the roster jam they have right now. They'd have three for three. If they Potentially. Potentially. Uh, yeah. It just happens. We'll see if it does, but it's the cleanest way for it to happen. Well, uh, so we're we're a little over time. Um, like I said, we're, we're always going to have a goal of trying to come in in about 45 minutes on these. So um, I know both Matt and I like to talk basketball. Sometimes we go over. Um, so we're going to wrap this up. Anything you want to uh, say before we get out of here? No, just uh, we're going to keep monitoring portal season. I thought it was done, then it sucked it back in. I thought we were getting to the end of it. it we still got ends. 10 days left of the portal being open. Oh, so. oh. I've watched 60 live game or 60 full games of dudes. We need to stop <laughs> at, at some point. I've watched too, much, too many full basketball games of guys. Watched way too much ACC basketball. Well, I don't even write about the ACC, and I've watched that, uh, entirely too yeah. I watched 30 full ACC. Then, then that's a hell of your own making, sir. Uh, but so, uh, make sure you follow this guy on Twitter. He has all the he, he has all the tweets these days uh, at MattJHarris85. You can follow me uh, at Sam T. Snelling. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to this. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a uh, subscribe button down below. Um, if you're listening in your car, or just on your headphones, uh, through a regular podcast, make sure you're subscribed to the Apple podcast, uh, or the Google play store. We're on Spotify. Uh, also like leave us reviews and stuff. If you're, if you're liking things, if you want to know, uh, if you have any questions, like we can check that and answer them. Uh, and then probably like once the, the roster gets wrapped up, we'll do like a live show, we'll do like a live Q and A. Uh, we'll just you know, see how long-winded we can all be uh, together as a group. Um, so that's it. Um, I think before the box score is coming back next week. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, have a good night.